everyone, and welcome to the Change Makers Podcast, where we chat with interesting and engaging individuals here and far about change, making change, living change in their own lives, how they've experienced unimaginable change, and innovative ways people uplift the lives of others. We chat about triumphs over tragedies, mindset matters, and how we live out our life's purpose inspirationally. So please join us to be inspired and empowered to be the change you want to see in this world. You know, we can all be change makers in our lives. Here's to the change you're about to bring forth. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. It's another episode of our Changemakers podcast. I'm Kimberly Rice, Chief Changemaker of Changemakers, where we create bold careers and lives um, so we can be the change that we want to see in this world. I could not be more excited um, to welcome my colleague and pal, Elise Holtzman of the Lawyer's Edge, uh, where we're going to talk about a lot of change making and um, moving ourselves forward in our professional lives. So uh, Lise, so much welcome to you today. Kimberly, thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Um, So let's just jump right in, Elise. And if you would share with our listeners a bit about yourself and a few insights into your professional journey. Well, uh, I'll tell you where I am now. So these days I live uh, in the suburbs of New York City in New Jersey. I am the mom to three kids, two of whom are out of the house and uh, married for almost 29 years now to uh, my husband who I met in law school. Uh, and so that is where, where I wound up. I thought I was going to medical school. I was pre-med for most of college and apparently wasn't smart enough to figure out for a while that that wasn't gonna be the right path for me. So I did go to law school. Um, and after I graduated, I went to work for a couple of large New York City law firms um, working in the area of commercial real estate transactions, which I loved. I loved doing deals. And, you know, it was a crazy life. We were, we pulled all nighters and we did all kinds of ridiculous things like never eating anything that hadn't been delivered to the office because that's where we lived. Um, so it was exciting, but, you know, it took its toll at some point. Um, and when I started a family, I, I continued working for a while, but ultimately that life for, for two big law lawyers in Manhattan, you know, trying to both make it in their careers and, and have a baby at home it became a little bit crazy. So I wound up stepping back from professional life for a while. Um, and about 13 years ago, I decided to do something different. This was this was a little crazy. Um, I had never considered doing something like this before, but I found out about uh, leadership coaching, executive coaching, and I, I completed a full year certificate program in coaching and then started my practice, which you mentioned is called the Lawyer's Edge. And now I spend my entire life sort of drowning in lawyers and bathing in lawyers and law firms, uh, which some people think is crazy, but I completely love. And I help them achieve their goals, whether it's a law firm trying to grow grow their business and retain their top talent, or whether it's an individual lawyer um, who wants more and better for herself in terms of what her career looks like. Well, my hat goes off 
to you. Um, as you know, I've worked in the legal services space for almost 30 years and am married to a lawyer and have lawyers in our family. Um, certainly love their drive and their intellectual curiosity, um, but I'm not exactly sure what happens in law school. It's almost, to me, I've always likened it to a pasta maker that they start out as, you know, kind of the raw ingredients and then through the time uh, they come out and um, they are a very unique brand. There is definitely something that happens to you in law school. Um, you know, I, I like to say that I'm a creative problem solver, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to paint you a picture. I'm not going to write you a song. And I, I, I once said to my mother, I don't know if I wound up in law school because I wasn't creative or whether I was creative and they just beat the creativity out of me while I was there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there you, you learn to think a certain way. No question. Gotcha. So I'm just curious, uh, you know, if you would enlighten us to the impetus of your purpose to help others um, to overcome obstacles that they may view otherwise insurmountable. That's an interesting question. I never really thought about it until I really was looking for something new to do. You know, I wound up being home with kids for about 10 years. And Kimberly, I can tell you, I never thought that was going to happen. I mean, my kids joke that, you know, mom was born in a suit carrying a briefcase. And so I never expected to be home, but it, it was what was right for our family at the time. And, you know, many women don't have that choice. So while on the one hand, it didn't feel like a choice to me. It felt like we couldn't sustain the lifestyle we had. I am grateful that I was able to do it. I think it was it was good for the family. When I started looking around for what was going to be next for me, I, I'm not joking. I would get my kids to school and I would spend hours in, in Barnes and Noble, um, you know, just looking high and low on the shelves and reading all sorts of business books. And I read a book called The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. And, and as you may know, Jack Canfield is one of, the, um, one of the guys who started the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And I, was, I, I didn't really read the Chicken Soup for the Soul series so much, but that book, The Success Principles was really powerful for me um, because it, it started to put into words things that I feel that I had known throughout my life about taking control of your own life and your own career and creating success for yourself rather than waiting for success. While I was reading that book, I discovered this thing called coaching. And I think that I knew that there was something called life coaching, which seems a little bit less concrete to me. And then because of Jack's book, I found out about coaching. So I started looking into it and doing the research. And when I did the research, I became more and more excited because I realized that I could combine everything I loved with everything that I felt I was good at. I had actually majored in psychology in college. Mm. Um, I tried to, you know, I thought about going into psychology. Um, I sort of majored in psychology so it would be easier than having to major in the hard sciences, even though I had to take all of those in order to go to medical school. And so it kind of brought me full circle to a place where I could use those things that I was interested in and actually be able to be helpful to other people. Uh, so that way, and I do think that the, the, the sweet spot is in terms of the work you do, whether it's personal or professional, is the intersection of what you love and what you're good at. And I felt that for me, you know, coaching and educating people would be that. The, the fact that I, I can help other people get what they want is really what gets me out of bed every day. That's phenomenal um, because we you know we we all have those choices before us, but not all of us make the choice to proactively seek 
out what really feeds our soul or makes our hearts sing professionally. Well, I think that that's the key, right? And and obviously this is something that, you know, you probably talk about in your sleep as, as a change maker uh, person, but I think a lot of people have this sense that life happens to us. And look, there's no question that things happen to us. There are illnesses, there are pandemics, um, accidents, you know, there are accidents of birth. There are all sorts of things that happen to people, but ultimately we all have the ability to make a choice about what we want to do. And so I'm a big believer in being as intentional as possible. Um, you know, if you, if you're in a situation where you simply need to put food on the table, it's pretty hard to be super intentional. Um, when that eases up a little bit, you can then turn your attention to things that aren't, you know, necessarily so dire, uh, but are things that maybe are interesting to you or going to kind of feed you, you know, uh, emotionally. Exactly. I mean, you know, we all have choices. Um, we may not always feel like we have choices, um, but I am a big believer in despite wherever we may find ourselves in life, you know, we can be um, at peace or joyful, gra- grateful, um, despite whatever, you know, we're, what we're in at the very moment. Um, so that's harder to say sometimes than to do. I certainly acknowledge that. Um, and I've had, I've been in those places plenty of times, which is helped me develop my, you know, my grittiness, if you will. Um, But that's one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about change making is that exactly what you said, Elise, is that so many people and and my focus is on, in this particular instance, on women professionals, is they sleepwalk through their careers and they don't, they are not intentional because they don't, I think oftentimes they don't feel like they have the power um, or the, yeah, the power or the, or the confidence to make changes. And so um, they settle for what, you know, maybe scraps that are thrown to them, or they just kind of, you know, go along and get along, which is just the antithesis of what I feel like is living up to our fullest potential um, as individuals. Yeah, I'd like to comment on a couple of things you said. So, you know, one is this idea of, uh, of having to make choices, right, and having to kind of weather storms in our lives. I don't think anybody goes through life unscathed, right? Each one of us has a story or several stories of challenges that we've had to contend with. And, you know, there was a time in my life where I went through something difficult. I didn't have a choice that it happened. Um, but I did, you know, after some, some solid pity parties on my part, um, I was able to make a choice to, to live through it and, and navigate it and to be happy. So sometimes I think people don't even realize that they have that choice. It's like, well, if this awful thing is going on, then it, I, I, it means that I have to be miserable. The answer to that is no, right? We know that from, from research and looking at other people in the world that people go through terrible, terrible things. And as you say, go through with an incredible spirit. Um, the other thing about intentionality in, in the professional life and in the personal life is that it is about power. You mentioned the word power. And I think that the word power can sometimes have a negative connotation. And I know that you don't mean it that way at all and neither do I. It's about the power to make decisions in your own life, right? The power to call the shots in your own life. So you're not at the mercy of circumstances or other people. And 
Yeah. And I do think that people wait for success rather than creating success sometimes, or they get to a point where they say, oh, you know, I graduated or I got that certificate or I got that job. So now it's going to be smooth sailing from here. And, you know, as you well know, every stage of life has its challenges and its opportunities. Um, And so, you know, it's not like I'm all sweetness and puppies every minute, right? I have my bad days as we all do, but I do think that keeping in mind some of these principles and philosophies and that we do have the power of choice and we can make decisions for ourselves that make sense and and choose to, to, you know, get around or through the obstacles that stand in our way. I think that's just important to remember. And I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, And I think the difference is, um, is it's mindset. It starts with the mindset that we actually do have a choice um, to leverage the power or maybe even to discover the power that we have um, or we fall victim and kind of take on that victim mindset of, you know, life is always happening to me and not for me. And so that in itself, to, in my view, is also an example of, of mindset. Um, but let's talk for just a moment about change making. Um, and I'm curious, because I know that you work with, you know, a large group of very high performers, high achievers, and um, at least in their professional uh, work or in their, in their, yeah, in their professional lives, um, they are a part of that change making. But what does it look like in your world and the work that you do change making? So I think that in general, I find that there are two obstacles for people, even when they're ready to make a change. Uh, There are often two obstacles. One is time. So the people with whom I work, my clients, as you say, they're high achievers, they're very driven, they're under tremendous pressure uh, from many different sources and they feel strapped. And so they feel like, you know, I'm barely holding it together time-wise. My time is not my own. Um, I, I don't have control over it. Somebody else is controlling me. And so they don't tend to invest in themselves. And I think that women in particular and people of color as well fall into that category where it feels like a, a luxury that they can't afford. When in fact, it's my belief that it's a necessity to take that time. And by the way, it doesn't have to be tremendous amounts of time. I mean, if you sat for 15 minutes a week quietly and turned off all the ringing, pinging and dinging around you, as I like to call it, and you sat and you were intentional about what it is that you wanna make happen, even 15 minutes a week, imagine how much you could get accomplished. Um, So I, I tend to encourage my clients to take that time. And one of the things they do when they're working with me is that is time they've set aside um, to invest, not in me, but in themselves. And I help them, I help them do that. Um, the second thing I think is self-awareness. And I think that most of us, because we're running around with our hair on fire, right? Trying to serve other people, do our jobs, take care of our families, whatever it may be. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of self-awareness about what makes us tick and what it is that we want. You know, it goes along with the time because we haven't taken the time to do that. We get so used to hearing what other people want for us or what the expectations are of us that um, we st- I think we start to lose sight of what is a good fit for us. And, you know, I don't tend to view it in terms of right and wrong. It's not, there's not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like 
objective right and wrong when it comes to what you want. It's what's a good fit for you. And so I think that the first step in making change, in my view, is to have some awareness about, well, what am I happy about? What am I not happy about? You know, what am I doing that aligns with who I am as a person, my personality and my values, you know, what I think is important to me and, and the people around me? And what am I doing that is out of alignment with those things? Um, and so simply being aware of what is going on in our lives, I think is a really good first step because without doing some of that examination, it's pretty, it's pretty hard to just dive into the next thing. You can do it, but it may not be the right thing for you. One of my favorite quotes in my coaching mentoring space is from, I believe, Aristotle. That was the unexamined life is a life not worth living because it literally is we're like zombies. We just are on autopilot meeting other people's expectations, whether it's in our, you know, our professional lives, our parental lives, our romantic or marriages, our family lives where we're siblings or we're daughters or, or sons. Um, and, you know, for me and the work that we do here at Change Makers is we do a lot of introspection and reflection and assessments, you know, so we can play to our strengths. Um, half the time people have never even given thought to that, you know, like, so what am I really good at and what do I really enjoy? You know, because life doesn't have to be life or your professional journey doesn't have to be a struggle. I mean, it should be a good fit of bringing together, you know, the things that you really enjoy and um, that you are really good at, you know, and skill development. And um, so many times um, folks have not taken the time independently or have even had the sense of self-awareness that they need to do that um, to create what we call to create the career of their dreams by charting their own course. I mean, you it's one thing to chart your own course, but if you don't know where you're going, any place will get you there, right? Right. will get you there if you don't know where you're going. Yeah. And you mentioned um, this idea of meeting expectations, you know, both your own and the expectations of others. And so I think that, you know, one of the things I often say is, you know, that's understandable. It's just not desirable. And so I, I use that phrase for something like this. It's understandable that we jump through hoops to meet other people's expectations. I mean, we were, you know, raised with certain expectations. I mean, we can't live in society without having certain without having certain expectations, or you know, we'd probably all be running around naked, which nobody wants. Um, and so, you know, we naturally have tried to fulfill other people's expectations, and you know, particularly women. Um, do that, right? Where we want to be perfect and we want to make other people happy. And we're, we're socialized that way. And in some ways that actually benefits us, right? Because if we're really good in school, if we're polite and kind and we do what people want us to do, um, we get asked to join clubs and we get into schools and we get certain jobs and all of that sort of thing. Uh, the challenge with that is that as we become older, as we become more senior, our roles require us to take some control back, right? So to first of all, do what it is that we want to do. And second of all, be able to chart our own path without simply relying on other people's expectations. And because we've been so socialized to fit into boxes and be perfect, it can be hard for some people to break out of that. So, you know, I do think that, you know, all of the self-awareness and examining your life and 
you know, being aware, et cetera, is important. Um, and of course that's not enough. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about this before. It's not enough, then action is required. Exactly. Yes, and that's, that's where it can get really fun and uncomfortable. And we're gonna talk about that in, in just a moment, but I wanted to go circle back around to um, something that you had mentioned previously, and that is power, personal power. And, you know, particularly for some of the clients that you and I may share um, as far as in the professional services realm, I'm just curious what this, you know, using um, personal pow power, what this looks like and how, in your view, women professionals in particular can leverage their power to achieve their professional goals? One of the things that I do, um, I spend a lot of time on is helping lawyers, um, some of whom are women lawyers, learn how to develop business, meaning learning how to attract clients to the firm. Um, in the legal biz, as you know, we sometimes talk about finders, minders, and grinders. So the finders are the people who bring in the business. The minders are the people who, you know, take care of the clients and make sure everything's getting done. And the grinders are the people who are really in the weeds doing a lot of the work. For whatever reason, the finders have always been more equal than everybody else. And whether they should be or not is another story, but that's how the legal marketplace has worked. And so in the law, if you can bring in clients, you are compensated more highly. You have the opportunity to advance more in your career. So rainmakers often make partner. Um, they often become elevated into the leadership of the firm. So you may be on the management committee or become managing partner of the firm. Um, and you know they're asked to speak and write and for all sorts of opportunities. And what that does is it gives you power because when you are quote unquote valuable to the firm, they don't wanna lose you uh, and they're willing to bend over backwards to accommodate you. So maybe there's somebody that you've worked with for many years who wants to make partner, that's your Lieutenant. You really need her to do a great job for your clients. The firm's not so sure they wanna make her a partner because maybe they think they have too many of them or they have other people they have to give it to. But if you have the power of the purse, um, you are able to go and say, listen, I need this person to help me keep this business going. And more often than not, they're going to listen to you. So I think that whatever profession you're in, it's important to look around and say, what does it mean to have power in this business? Is it who I know? Is it what I know? Is it the kind of work I do? Is it the clients I'm bringing in? What is it that can enable me to call the shots in my own career. And what I love about it is, you know, it's not sort of this yucky, grabby, you know, I'm gonna be in charge of other people and be able to make them do what I wanna do. It's more about, as we said before, the power to control your own path, but it also gives you a platform from which to help other people. You can mentor other people, you can be a sponsor for other people and help them meet others and, you know, raise the bar for them. The more money you make, the more charity you can give, the more you can do in the community. So I think that creating the environment for you to have power actually puts you in a position of strength. You know, many women want to give back to their communities, right? And so this is a little bit of a stereotype. Um, there are plenty of men that want to, and there are plenty of women that, you know, don't take the time to do that. And that's okay. But for those women who want to give back to their communities, it may not be about buying the Pepsi. 
right, for the, for the gathering. It may not be about running the fundraiser. It may be about being so successful that you have the money to give. And so I think some women feel the discussion of money is a little unseemly. They weren't, you know, they were raised to not talk about that sort of thing. But I think that's where the power is, 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 you know, the power of the purse and being able to direct dollars in a certain direction. And so that's why I think that particularly for women, um, being able to, to contribute to the bottom line of their organization um, is important and gives them the power to control their own lives and help others as well. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's, it can be such a leap for, um, for women particularly because it is, if it really kind of flies in the face to so many principles that generally, particularly women our age, were, were conditioned to think, right? I mean, we're, we were conditioned to, you know, power was not even in the same discussion professionally. I mean, we're no. not too many generations beyond even being in the workplace, right? I mean, uh, I remember, and this is going back some years, but my mom told me years ago when she went to, when she was graduating high school and decided was what she was going to do, there were basically three vocation choices, nurse, teacher, secretary. Um, and she chose nurse. She wanted to be a doctor, but that just wasn't done in the fifties, not a lot. And so um, you know, yes, that's what, 60 years ago, maybe 60 some years ago, but in the span of time, that's not a long time, you know? And so, you know, now women, I mean, I see this every day with our clients is that, you know, women, like, I'll just talk about legal. I mean, women um, comprise more than half of the law students in the U.S. law school and law schools, yet they come into, enter into the profession um, the last count I saw, they're 43% in private practice, yet they, you know, between years four and six, so that's like around 31 to 37 or so, 36, um, you know, they're bolting because the firms don't have um, equitable family leave um, pro programs. And then, of course, you, I'm sure you and I know about the huge um, report that was done um, by the ABA, the women, um, the committee on the women commission by Bobby Liebenberg walking out the door, you know, and so by the time women are women lawyers are 50, they've had enough of it. Um, and then that is that it's still a white male dominated profession um, and or, you know, male dominated profession. And, you know, so they only while they may be 43 or so percent composition of the lawyer count, they only comprise like four to six percent of leadership. So they don't, they don't even have the opportunities to develop the, the power, if you will. Right. And that's why I think it's so important for people to be intentional about this. And, and that includes, uh, well, let me go back for a minute. So I think what you're talking about is in some ways, and it's more nuanced than this, but diversity versus inclusion, right? Sure. Um, so diversity, yes. If you look at the you know incoming classes of lawyers, and, and I'm just using lawyers, obviously, as an example, because that's what I know best. Um, there are sometimes 50% or more in a, in a new associate class at a law firm. 
over time, that number starts to dwindle and there's a lot of attrition. So law firms are losing talent and many of them are trying very, very hard to retain their talent and create cultures that drive inclusion so that over time, women and people of color will be in the leadership ranks more than they are. And there are many organizations driving that. I I was um, on the faculty of something called LCLD, which is the Leadership Council on Legal Diversity. And so they're driving that effort as well, along with many organizations. Um, So I do think that there's opportunity there. There's no question that there are obstacles, but sometimes for any individual, we can overstate the obstacles. And what I mean by that is on on a population basis, right? We can look at a population and say, wow, in the legal profession, this is what's going on. But what does that mean for me? You know, like, what does that mean for me, Elise? Does that mean that I'm not going to be able to make it? Because some women will say, well, that's, you know, that's the profession. I'm not going to, I'm never going to make it. And then once you've said that, right, and set that expectation, all bets are off. So it could be, I like to look at it as, yes, this is what's going on in our community. Um, People are trying to make positive change and we're driving in that direction. There are opportunities for me here and there are obstacles, no question. So then what do I do about it? And I think that there are so many ways that you can try to correct for some of this stuff. One is to seek out mentors. One is to seek out sponsors. And there's a difference between mentors and sponsors. And, you know, we don't have time to go into that, but understand what the differences are um, and, and pursue that. Find out what your organization has. Maybe they have coaching programs. Um, maybe they have seminars or workshops that you can go to. Maybe there's a not-for-profit organization. So there's the National Association of Women Lawyers. There are state chapters. No matter what your your um, career choice, there are going to be organizations of people that will support you and and help you make decisions and navigate change and navigate obstacles. So that's where the intentionality comes in, because you can definitely sit there and say, woe is me. There's plenty of woe is me to go around. um, No question about it. Um, And you can say, well, this is too hard for me to do by myself. I simply can't do it. That may well be true also, but none of us goes through life alone. And there are people, if you search for the people to help you, they will appear, you will find them. Um, You don't have to do this on your own. You don't get a medal for doing it on your own. Nobody's done it on her own. Um, You know, whoever you think of as successful, whoever you admire, whoever that person is, get an image of that person in your mind, that person didn't do it alone. And you don't have to either. I couldn't agree with you more. It's a wonderful point. Um, and as you said, there are no medals for doing it alone. Um, I mean, in my view, and this is what we, you know, we teach here at Changemakers is um, we all need our tribe. We need our support. Um, we all are going through our, you know, we're all going, hopefully moving through the journey together uh, on our own path. And, you know, if we can uplift and support and empower one another, then we're all going to get there just a little bit faster and hopefully with a more of our mental health intact. For sure. So let me ask you, I just I want to be respectful of time, but I just wanted to ask, you know, if you could give your, your younger self one piece of professional advice, advice, knowing where you are today and, and the path that you've led up to this point, uh, what would that be? I think um, I, I'm going to choose two, if I can be so bold. So one of them would be kind of what I said before, which is to seek out help, even if it's not 
obviously there for you. So when I talked about leaving the law, um, at the time, I felt that I had no mentors. First of all, there was no such thing as a coach and nobody was talking about sponsors. So there was, of course, and throughout history that there, there has been the idea of mentors, but there were no women who I looked at who were ahead of me, who I could say, oh, they're figuring out this crazy you know, legal um, situation with family and all of that sort of stuff. And I went back to work part-time when I had my first child, which was 40 hours a week to make 80% of your salary, um, which is what the legal profession certainly in, in the New York area looked like. And then I was working 60 to 70 hours a week because I was the most senior associate in the department. And of course, you're not punching a time clock, you're on a salary. Um, and so I, I said, well, that's it. I've tried this part-time thing. It obviously doesn't work. And I, I just couldn't keep living like that. So my husband and I made a decision that I was going to stop doing it. I would tell my younger self to seek out mentors, even if they weren't in the firm, ask everyone and their mother to help find me somebody that I could talk to who would help illuminate the path for me because I didn't have anybody to do that. And I looked around kind of in my local area in the firm and I said, well, I don't know anybody else who's done this. There's obviously there are people who have stayed in the law and have managed this, but I didn't know who they were. And I guess I just, I just didn't try hard enough to find those people. And do, look, do I regret what I did? No, I have a wonderful life and I'm grateful for everything. And we make the best decisions we can at the time. But I think looking back, if I had known to just go out and be proactive about finding someone and banging on doors until I found somebody who could talk to me and help me, that might've been a better fit for me at the time. Um, I also think it's really important to remember that it does take, and we, we touched on this earlier, it does take a combination of mindset and action. And by the way, it's not about being a Pollyanna, right? Because sometimes I say mindset and you know, you get this like eye roll, like, oh, please, it's gonna be one of these, you know, women who thinks everything is perfect. Not at all, right? It's, it's a choice that you make on a daily basis. And there are things that are really, you know, trash that go on in people's lives and real difficulties that people have. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't choose your mindset. And if you need help with that, there are coaches, there are therapists, there are books you can read. There are ways to make that change happen. Uh, and then to take action. And it can be a small action, whatever that action is, take the action. But when you combine those things, that's a powerful combination. Um, it's hard to get in the way of somebody who has a can-do mindset and is taking action, even if sometimes the action is a mistake. You know, one of my coaches used to say, um, when it came to, you know, there was the, the book and the movie, The Secret, um, and which, which has some good ideas in it, but it seemed to leave out the action part. And what my coach used to say was, listen, you can sit on your couch in the lotus position all day long, putting great ideas into the universe, but unless you take action, um, you're not going to get anywhere. And, and, you know, I think it's, uh, it's about fear. We all have fear and people say, oh, you know, so-and-so is so brave. I don't think she's so brave. I think she, you know, there was a book written and I can't remember who the author is right now, but a book, the book title um, is feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. And so it's not about being brave. It's not like somebody else has something you don't have. We all have it. We just have to exercise it. You know, we all have the ability to, to move forward. And so um, you know, I know that now I sound like I actually know what I'm talking about, but I'm a little long in the tooth and it's been a long time coming to, you know, to learn those things. Uh, and so those are the things that I would tell my younger self. That's fabulous. I just want to add a comment or two to that. Um, 
I absolutely, um, in my life's work, um, is the combination of mind, a growth mindset and action. And uh, one of my coaches have always, has always say, we just have to pray and move our feet, right? We, I mean, and all the things that we want are on the other side of fear. Um, and it's the willingness to get out of our comfort zone um, because that's so easy to do and stay in our comfort zone and um, confront those fears by digging deep to find that courage, which helps us develop the, develop the grit. And it, as you practice that on a regular basis, the fears will dissipate, the confidence will shoot up the, the sky because you will accomplish things that you feel really good about and you will get closer to what your vision and your mindset is for your career, your life, your relationships, or whatever. I mean, this is not a light switch um, scenario where, you know, you're going to have a completely different life, career, job, business, or whatever the next day, but it's what we call um, in our other business, KLA Marketing, the secret sauce um, of, of success. And that is just taking the consistent, persistent steps on a regular basis towards what you think you want to create or attract more of. Um, and that kind of pulls it all together. And it's amazing that when you practice that on a regular basis, then you're going to see, I mean, you're going to see that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow of, oh yeah, this is what I've been wanting to do. Um, you know, I do feel more fulfilled. I mean, I remember early on in my career, oh my God, you know, I mean, where, at what point do you go from having a job to having a calling? Right. I mean, it didn't it just doesn't happen like bam, bam. I mean, it's like I just kept doing one thing and then another thing and then another door open and then another door open and then a couple of doors slam. Then you go back and then you start over. Um, and now, you know, with Changemakers, I feel a thousand percent, you know, kind of um, um, affirmed that I am living in alignment with my passion and my purpose of uplifting women um, professionals. Um, but that didn't that's been decades in the making. Well, and to your point, you know, you, you said something earlier about you start to see results, right? You try things and you start to see results. And once you start seeing that evidence, right, of success or that you're able to make something happen, um, it's easier to take, you know, it's like if you're trying to lose weight and you lose five pounds, oh, I can do this, right? You need to see a little bit of something happening um, to get you motivated. And also that it is a habit right? And we have all sorts of habits. We know about habits, but we have habits of thought as well. And so, you know, it's not something that just happens overnight to your point. We, we have, and that's why I go back to using the word intentional all the time, because sometimes we have to push ourselves to do it, but I, I'm a big believer. And I know you agree with me that it's, it's a worthwhile effort. It is, it is absolutely. And that's probably why you and I both um, get up every day, looking forward to the day ahead. Uh, and, and is to illuminate and guide our clients into um, down the deeper in the road of that intentionality. Absolutely. So this has been wonderful. Um, I just wanted to give you an opportunity, Elise, if you wanted to add anything additional um, um, you know, to our discussion, uh, highlighting and, and uh, spotlighting the work, the important work that you do with your clients. Um, I absolutely love it. Um, there's... <clears throat> needs to be, um, you know, multiples of us in, in the world, um, and it is growing, um, but um, if you could give, you know, just one or two um, spotlights of, you know, the work that you do and, and um, you know, how it impacts the clients, the lives and businesses of your clients, 
um, I'd certainly welcome you to do that. Yeah, I would say, you know, just take take control over your career. I mean, one of the things that I really like to help people do is, uh, of course, develop their mindset, but also develop their skills, right? Um, <clears throat> you know, the job you have now or the role you have now is not qualitatively the same as what you want in the future. And so that requ- it does require a shift in mindset, but also a shift in your skills. And so that's why I love helping lawyers learn how to engage in kind of self-marketing, if you will, or business development, and also to improve communication skills, which I'm really big on. I think most of the things that get in our way can be traced back to breakdowns in communication. Um, and that can be for a variety of reasons. It can be just because of how we're wired, you know, our personality. Um, it can be how we were taught to behave in the workplace or outside of it. Uh, and so, you know, I think that, that focusing on you uh, as I said before, this is kind of coming full circle, is, is not a luxury. It's a necessity, you know, to focus on your own development and to not feel that you have to know it all, to not be embarrassed that you don't know it all. None of us knows it all. Nobody knows it all. Um, and you can't do it all yourself. That's why we live in communities, right? That's why we're, you know, we've become a global uh, world, a global marketplace. There are so many people that can guide you and help you, and you'll be able to pay it forward to somebody else. So, you know, don't wait for success, create success. Don't do it yourself. Find somebody to help you. It's more fun anyway. Um, and it won't feel like work. It'll just feel like play. Um, and, and, you know, invest in yourself. That's, I guess that's the bottom line is you deserve it. You know, who you are is important. Um, and you're, most women are busy investing in other people, mm-hmm. um, whether it's, you know, parents or kids or community or, you know, spouse or significant other or whatever it may be. Take the time, invest in yourself. Absolutely. Amen. Amen to that. Um, so I want to thank you so much. This has been an extraordinarily enlightening conversation. Um, I appreciate you being with us here today. And I want to give our listeners an opportunity to connect with you directly. Um, So if you would like to share the best way for uh, for folks to reach out to you. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. I think you and I could talk about this stuff all day long because we're both we're both big nerds about it. Um, So people can reach me at Elise, E-L-I-S-E at thelawyersedge.com or just connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, You just find me under Elise Holtzman on LinkedIn. And I would love to connect with anybody who's interested. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, this concludes another episode of our Changemakers podcast, uh, where we um, speak with experts around the globe of changemakers who are making positive change in their lives and in the lives of others. Uh, And so this is another episode and we appreciate you joining us today. And until next time, be the change that you want to see in the world. Thank you.